When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds looking fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear leaves and debris with the 40-volt leaf blower. No cords, no gas, no hassle. Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at the Home Depot and on homedepot.com. How doers get more done. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Join Josh and Chuck, the guys who bring you Stuff You Should Know, as they take a trip around the world to help you get smarter in a topsy-turvy economy. Check out the all-new Super Stuff Guide to the Economy from HowStuffWorks.com, available now exclusively on iTunes. All right, let's try something new. Take it away, Scott. Okay, wow, that was pretty pretty quick. Um, Ben, I thought today we would talk about uh, the NASCAR Car of Tomorrow. Car of Tomorrow. Yeah, that's right. That that sounds that sounds pretty uh, pretty impressive. Well, what? yeah, it sounds like space talk, right? Yeah, it's, yeah oh, yeah, I that's love right. That. No, it's not not really. Actually, it's it's already in use and um, has been for a year or so, uh, maybe even a little bit longer, maybe two at this point. And um, for some reason, they still call it the car of tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know it's lame. It just it just felt it felt like it does feel a bit science fiction like. But if it's the car of tomorrow, but they're using it today. Obviously, the name the name sounds awesome. But what's really behind this? Well, what's, what's the difference? What's behind it is safety. Of course, NASCAR is interested in making races safe. And uh, the drivers, they want to go fast. And um, guess who wins? The uh, the NASCAR Association, who decides, or the 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 body of NASCAR decides that you know, well, we we need to slow things down a bit. You know, make these these vehicles stand up a little better in, during wrecks. Um, in the year two thousand, I think there were a few deaths in NASCAR um, yes. in that particular year. And um, of course, there was you know one or two afterwards as well. But um, for the most part, they said well, we've got to change something because we can't have these guys going this fast, and uh, you know we have to do something right now. Especially after the death of racing legend Dale Earnhardt, uh, senior. That's right, senior. Yeah, Junior's still very much with us, and uh, he's actually. It, we'll find out that uh, oddly enough, uh, Junior is not a fan of the car of tomorrow, or at least he wasn't in the past. I think he's coming around to it now. 
Well, let's let's take a closer look. Do do you want to take a closer look at some of the features behind this? I would, yeah. Um, a couple of things. I've got a, I've got a short list here of things that uh, you know the, of of the the developments of the advancements that they've made or that NASCAR has made or they think they needed to make, and we'll uh-huh. see how uh, we'll see how it pans out here. Um, for one thing, the car new cars are boxier. Um, you know what? Actually, let me start with one other one other thing. Okay. We're, well, I mean that's fine to say that they're boxier, but um, we've got this whole list. All the cars are exactly the same now, Ben. Exactly the exactly same. Exactly the same. Yes, they are. They're exactly the same. The uh, the the only difference is the manufacturer engine, and the engines are very very much regulated by NASCAR as well. So NASCAR is moving towards um, kind of a spec racing series where everybody is on an equal. I mean, exactly equal plane. It used to be that uh, the vehicles had different templates. So if you were in a Toyota, if you were in a Ford, if you were in a Dodge. Um, you had a different template that your vehicle had to fit, you know, the, for the pre-race inspection. Mm-hmm. Now, with the car of tomorrow, um, every vehicle has to fit that same template, that same frame. So, um, really, the only thing that's unique on these cars, or would be the engine, of course, um, which again is very strictly regulated. Right. Um, but also, there's you know the decals, and uh, you know they make it appear as if it's a Toyota, uh, whatever they race, and Toyota a, a template. Yeah, that's right. Um, so. Man kind of strange the way things have developed here do you see my confused face yeah, a little bit yeah yeah i'm a little i'm yeah. a little bewildered i did not see that coming because the the difference between the vehicles based on the the manufacturer was one of the one of the uh salient features yeah that was originally one of the uh the, the main purposes of this is that it was stock car racing yeah and you know you would race stock cars that came from the factory um that's of course that's long ago gone away uh that you know they're not really the cars from the factory mm-hmm. they have you know decals instead of headlights and things like that you know they're real and they're very purpose-built race cars um however you don't see any variation in the field at all it's it's all equal i mean uh, it, it looks exactly every vehicle looks the same except for the the exterior treatment you know the uh the, the paint scheme and the the decals that they apply and so that's why it's the car of tomorrow and not several different cars of tomorrow <laughs> yeah that's right yeah that's right NASCAR's cars of tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> so I guess we can get back into our list here. But yeah, let's have, go. Let's go back to boxy though. Oh sure, yeah, it's, I, it's boxier. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because it seems like that would make it. I, okay, I, I imagine it's boxy to decrease the likelihood of a fatal accident. Um. Well, it, it kind of that it, that has more to do with aerodynamics because they wanted to slow it down a bit. NASCAR wanted to slow the vehicles down, so to, they're, they're slow it down. Yeah, they wanted to slow it down for safety. Yeah, they wanted uh, the speeds were getting up there just too high. They were taking too much advantage of the draft. Um, it's just it, it. You'd have to really investigate this to understand why they did this. I mean, you'd have to go back to the you know ten or twelve or even fifteen years and read about how uh, progressively the cars just got faster and faster and faster. And the, you know the, the introduction of restrictor plate racing uh, oh, to try okay. to reduce speeds because they were just getting too fast. They were unstable. Um, dangerous racing practices. You know, there's a there's a lot going on, mm-hmm. and uh, they, they finally, even with restrictor restrictor plate, well, it's hard to say restrictor plate racing. Uh-huh. Uh, the speeds are just ridiculously fast in these cars. I mean, they're they're way up there. They're near 200 miles per hour, which is pretty fast, I would say. Yeah. And um, accidents, of course, severe and sometimes fatal. And so, and probably uh, more frequent as well because the driver's reflexes can only increase to a certain extent. That's right. There's always something that they call, I think they call it the big one in, in a race. There's always a big one, which means that, you know, these guys are following so closely that uh, if one car, you know, takes a spill, 
every one of them just collides right into that one. It just you know it's a, a giant pile up. You sure. see it. You see it on every you know weekend newscast usually. Sure. That's that's the highlight that makes the news real. It's a deadly domino effect, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And sometimes you know in the past it was actually deadly. So uh, they're doing everything they can to slow them down. Okay, so um, what 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 else are they doing? Well, of course, that boxier design leads to less aerodynamic design as well. Um, uh-huh. You know, so they are slower. There's a rear wing which is adjustable. That helps you know them give a little bit more control, so it allows more downforce, less downforce. So it's a, they're making it a little tunable, but not much. Okay. And another tunable feature is the front splitter. The front splitter is that that extremely low front end piece that that looks like it's scraping the ground. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's and it has um, looks like little rods that attach it to the to the body, and those are adjustable. And again, that increases downforce. Um, just kind of directs the air either ab- over the car or underneath the car, depends on how you have it adjusted. I've heard. Okay, now I don't want to spoil the list. I've heard that one is especially unpopular. The splitter. Yeah. Why is that? I I heard that people don't like it because they associate it also with uh, reducing. Uh, the the aerodynamic nature of the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that because the the older vehicles. If you look at a a car just before the car of tomorrow came out, they didn't have that. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, it was more of a flat front end, but it was extremely low. It was right on the ground. Um, but that splitter kind of makes you have to do a little bit of adjustment here and there, and that, there's a lot more fine tuning that goes on with that splitter than you would know. Yeah, uh, I mean, especially it's, it's me. Delicate. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, what else did they do? They they made it bigger inside. Uh, there's more room inside the vehicle, so they feel, I mean, I can assume that that's a strange feeling when you get into a, a race car and there's a lot more room inside it. Usually you'd think it would be smaller. Right, um, yeah. But they've made it roomier, and the reason is that, uh, well, there's a few reasons, mostly for the crumple zones. Okay. So that we've talked about crumple zones, I yeah. think, in the past, is that, you know, that gives the room, the car room to collapse around you a little bit more. Even if it's, you know, a few inches, it makes a big deal. Sure. Um, they've added foam to the doors. Uh, so that you know, on the on the side, on the, especially on the right side, where you know most tracks you're turning left all day long. Right. So, so that's the side of the car that would be in contact with uh, with with the wall near the driver as well. There's there's foam, of course. Let's see. They they've also moved the seating position so it's more in the center of the vehicle, which makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, a little safer, you know, on the left mm-hmm. side then. Um, let's see. Another thing is that they made it taller, so there's more headroom. Oh. Yep, and okay. um, let's see, there's a stiffer seat so that, you know, it, when you're cornering, I guess there's real high G-forces involved, and the seat actually kind of uh, misshapes or, you know, bends and deforms with you as your body presses against it, and uh, they made it a little stiffer so that, you know, there's the driver stays in position a little better, more in control. Okay, well, that I mean, that all sounds, that all sounds pretty reasonable. I, I know that the NASCAR commission people might think they're, they're party poopers of a sort, right, mm-hmm. for slowing the vehicles down. Yeah. But it sounds like a good idea. One interesting fact that I read about this uh, is that it, since all these cars weigh the same, mm-hmm. there's actually a rule about the distribution of weight as well, that um, a certain amount of weight, I think a little more than 1,600 pounds, has to be on the right side of the car mm-hmm. uh, because they're more likely to have a dangerous crash into the right wall. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, um, yeah, for the, so the overall weight of the vehicle isn't equal from left to right is what you're saying? I don't believe so, no. Mm-hmm. I think it's actually, uh, let's see, I don't have the numbers in front of me, mm-hmm. but but I know that slightly more than half of, of the weight of the car. Oh, very interesting. Yeah, very good. I didn't know that. 
trying to think of anything else that uh, that they've done to this vehicle that you know is is widely unpopular. Um, I guess that's where we should go next is to, to say that it's not only unpopular with um, the drivers because uh-huh. you know of all the things we just mentioned that you know they're slower and you know bigger inside. And oh yeah, they're having to adjust. Really, it's it's just a it's growing pain period. I guess growing pains. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the fans also don't like it. Oh, I've heard they hate it. Yeah, they do. I've I've really and you know it makes sense because what do people love the most about NASCAR? It is fast, <laughs> fast, fast. Yeah, that's right. And I think a lot of people like watching the wrecks as well. Now there's still plenty of wrecks. Sure. Um, we saw a big one recently at Talladega. Carl Edwards, I think it was the one that ripped into the fence at Talladega. Oh, went yes. airborne. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I don't know what happened there. I mean, that was there's a lot of analysis of what's going on, so check it out and find out what the latest is. But of course, there's some extremely close drafting happening, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just th- there was a lot of different things that happened at, at that point. But um, he did end up going airborne. But the, the the story here is that he was okay. And when you look at that wreck, that was a horrific wreck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he was he was safe. Now was he was he in one of these cars? Yeah, he was in a. Uh, uh, in a yeah, that's right. He was in a car of tomorrow. Really lends some weight to their decision, then. Yeah, in fact, there have been several really, you know, just horrible accidents that have happened in the car of tomorrow, and drivers have been safe so far. Uh, so, and it's proven itself already uh, as a safe car. You can't say that you know the other they wouldn't have held up in the other cars as well. Um, right. Just no way to say that, but um, yeah, it seems like it's working out all right. So, when did the car of tomorrow actually come out? Uh, let's see. It came out in March of 2007. That was the first race. Um, so that's a couple of years now. Yeah. And it was scheduled to be used just, you know, partially, just here and there, uh, for the 2008 racing season. However, they decided to go with it for the entire 2008 racing season. So 2008 was really the first full uh, NASCAR season with the car of tomorrow. It's successful. Yeah. Yeah, it's very successful. So. Can we still call it the car of tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, we still do, which is strange. I mean, car of today is kind of thrown around a little bit. You know, you might see that on a few sites, just people being kind of silly with it. But yeah. um, really, the car of tomorrow is what they what they are going to stick with. I think, I mean, yeah, I guess I, I see that it works. Now, let me ask you a question that I bet is just on the tip of our listeners' tongues, especially if they're race fans. Mm-hmm. Is there any chance, in in your opinion, that this car design would get, I guess, rethought or maybe uh, retracted? Mm, the entire design or, or elements of it? Right. Would we go back to – is there any chance that we would go back to the template cars of the past? No. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I think they've, you know, put their foot down. They've spent so much money and so much time invest. you know, there's so much time and money invested in this design. And um, really, I mean – the drivers are beginning to accept it even more now. Um, it's it's less of an issue this year than it was last year. Remember, last year was the first year where they had the full season with the car. Right. This year, you know, they're kind of getting into the groove of it. I guess you you would say that um, you know they're they're figuring out the vehicle. They, and there's there's a trade off there, but on mm-hmm. one side of the balance, you know, staying alive is pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah, that is pretty awesome to stay alive. Yeah. I would yeah. Say that. Now, one one thing though, I do think that they would. Um, fine-tune you know nascar may even fine-tune this or adjust it a bit they may eventually you know go back on you know they may make a larger fuel cell i don't know um because okay. that's one other thing that we didn't mention is it has a f- smaller fuel cell oh. um and it's thicker i believe so that you okay. know, there's less chance of puncture but um you know things like that they may adjust um just to uh i don't know keep things interesting now <laughs> now let's I've, I've got one i 
two more questions before you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, first, do you think that it is possible for the improvements of, of a car tomorrow or the future cars of, I guess, tomorrow's in the distance? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's possible for the designers and the engineers of NASCAR to create a car that can go back up to, you know, the 200 or so mile per hour range safely? I definitely do. Um, the, the thing with with the higher speeds is that if you look at, um, you know, let's say Formula One or IndyCar, those travel much faster than NASCAR. Sure. Um, and, you yeah. know, they're real high speed. Um, not that NASCAR isn't. I'm just saying that, you know, IndyCars are, you know, like 220 miles per hour or even faster. Mm-hmm. And I think, I, I believe that a Formula One car will achieve something like 240 if it was, you know, flat out long run. But they don't normally get that fast because they're on road courses. Right. But, um those are, you know, if you look at them, there's not much around them. Those are open wheel race cars, um, and they're, you know, the, the driver's head is exposed. Um, yeah. There's yeah. no windshield, um, so NASCAR is really, you know, they're they're in a much larger vehicle. Um, you know, it's 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 much more. They're much more encased in that vehicle, and I don't see any reason why they couldn't make them much safer, make them go much faster. Um, but I think on these super speedways, you know, th- there's this whole aerodynamic twist that comes in that um, might make it pretty dangerous. Because when you're going that fast and you spin around backwards, uh, that's where the, the real trouble starts. So for our listeners, you, you've heard it here. Don't think of this as, as a plateau. Think of this kind of a step. Uh, think of it as a step on the way back to, to the speeds we know and love. Yeah, I think so. I think they can you know, go faster and faster and, and be safer and safer at the same time. Final question. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. You know, you you see this one coming. This is what I I ask you this almost every time. Would you, personally, would you you race in NASCAR before or after the car of tomorrow? Would you have have tried it? I love racing. Uh, However, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan. I'm, you know, I'm mildly interested. I'll watch it if it's on. Uh, But I don't, you know, carve out time in my schedule to watch NASCAR. Um, I'm more of an open wheel fan, and um, I think I would do it anyways, just because I I love racing. Like I said, it's fun. I'll, I'll race go karts or um, you know lawnmowers, whatever. It doesn't matter as long as as long as they're evenly matched and it's fun. So hey, I think I would. How about you? Oh man, yeah, of course. Nas- I have no fan? impulse control. Yeah, if I was walking, okay, if I was supposed to plan it in advance. No, Scott, probably not. <laughs> However, if I was walking by and someone hopped out of one of those cars and said, hey, Ben, do you want to drive this? It probably would not even occur to me to say no until two days later. So you may ne- may not even be able to uh, hit the Richard Petty experience down in Florida or anything like that because <laughs> you'd have to plan that a week ahead of time. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. Well, you know, synchronicity works pretty well for people like me. I might just happen to I happen to be there, but you know, I'm I, you know I, I'm being I guess a little bit flippant about, but yeah. I honestly would love to be in in a race. I really enjoy the idea uh watching them this is uh, watching them makes me a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. because i don't want to see people in horrific accidents Mm -hmm. but being in one would be spectacular i've been in a nascar race truck before with uh on on the chrysler test track with um a guy named walker evans old timer Uh, yeah he's a uh, i think he's an off-road racer um, but he was driving a NASCAR race car, and the funny thing is that it was a media ride and drive event a few years ago. Okay. And Chrysler Test Track is pretty big. 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of speed can be had there. And um, it was the end of the day, and the car wouldn't start. The truck wouldn't start. So this made him mad, really mad. You know, I'm in this passenger seat, you know, the the media ride-along seat, you know. And uh, this is a real NASCAR race truck, okay? So the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series at the time, it's something else now. And uh, he tried it and tried it and tried it, and it wouldn't start. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get to race. And he, he started swearing and waving his arm out the window to get somebody over to push start the car. And once it started, once they pushed it and got it started, yeah. That anger came out on the racetrack. I'll tell you, he he really, <laughs> really hit it. I mean, it was fast, and I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that, like a flat turn like that. They they it stuck so well, um, but it was extremely fast and extremely fun and, and really loud. Um, but I'll never forget it. It was a lot of fun, and if if I were in control of that, I can imagine how much fun that would be. You know, just for lap after lap after lap. So, if you get a chance to do, you know, the, your your Richard Petty experience or whatever you want to go to, <laughs> do it. I would say, even if it's even if it's just a ride along day, um, it's worth it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And uh, I guess this is usually the part where we we point out that we have an excellent article on the site for yes. people who want to learn more about this, uh, how NASCAR's Car of Tomorrow works. Mm-hmm and people can visit that uh but before we head out i've got and you know before we do our our usual our usual uh goodbyes Mm -hmm. uh i've got a little bit of listener mail how about you i'm ready for it okay i uh we we got uh, some pretty interesting mail wouldn't you say scott i would say so yeah keep it coming though yeah please keep it coming we love it (laughs) We love it. It's the best part of our day. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. And uh, we received an email from uh, Charles, who very kindly wrote in to say, you know, I, I'm not, I think you've seen this one, Scott. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I love your show, really enjoy the conversations. And then he points out, and this is, this is my bad, he says, in your conclusion, you state, feel free to send an email to Scott and I when it should be Scott and me following the object of the preposition rule. Thank you so much, Charles, and and he was super nice about it. He ends it with "keep up the good work." Uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll notice that now we we refer to ourselves as us. Okay, I will. I'll let Ben say that uh, he will refer to us that way. However, I probably will still screw things up and say it the wrong way. Well, then that just, that just makes us that just makes us uh, more more human. Uh, yeah, human. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, force of habit, I guess. Well, you know, it's enjoyable. We'll, we'll switch it up. We'll switch it up. But yeah. thanks again, We'll Charles. do our best. Yeah, thanks, Charles. <laughs> hey, I have a piece of mail as well, if you want to, want to yeah. get into a question, an actual question. Oh, yes, yes. Um, okay, this one comes from Greg. Um, Greg is from Northern Ireland. Oh. Yeah, wow. I know. Kind of crazy, this worldwide uh, thing, right? Yeah. Um, okay, so Greg's question was... He, I'll just read this here. Just a couple of lines, not not very long. Okay. I was wondered about why the cheap cars on the market, I think he means inexpensive, uh, never look like supercars. I can understand why a cheap car cannot perform like a supercar, but why are there no impressive-looking cheap cars? Is there an extra cost in designing them? I think that a cheap car with with normal performance but with supercar looks would be a big seller. Oh, good call, Greg. Mm Mm-hmm. I think he's right. I think it would be a big seller. Yeah. Well, why why do you think the why do you think the inexpensive cars don't look like the higher end ones? My personal thought is uh, manufacturing cost. Um, I know you don't have the you know the engine and the the suspension and everything of a supercar, but um, you know it takes a lot of money to engineer a vehicle that goes together that that well and and looks that way. Um, it's just cheaper to make plastic parts that are they're rounded and simple and adhered. You know that that are simple. 
everything is simple. Yeah. And that's that's the key to it. I mean, if you have this exterior shell that's this, you know, looks like a, a wild kit car. Right. Um, plus, you know, there's also the, the other idea that, you know, I don't know, it's kind of a dud to have a, a, a car that, you know, looks great but is super slow and just doesn't perform. And, you know, is, you know that it's a cheap car. I see. Um, I don't know. It's kind of like if you had a Lamborghini kit car and you put a four-cylinder engine in it or yeah. even smaller. You know, I, just, is, that, is that a bad idea? Because I've got, I've got the kit on the way. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you need to buy a new engine. Oh, man. Yeah. What would I So what, would I what, do, what do you think? What do, you, do you think there's a reason? Um, you know what? I think you've, you've given an excellent reason. Uh, it also sounds like one thing we can consider, um, you know, a, a lot of these companies, a lot of these car manufacturers sell multiple lines of vehicles. Some are really high end and, and some are more mid range or even low end. Mm -hmm. And if they're selling both of these things and they're making money off both lines, it's not in their interest to have an inexpensive car look like the high end one. They want to have everybody, as many people as possible buying cars. So, so maybe companies are keeping that line on purpose. I don't know. What do you oh, think? That's an excellent point. Very good. Really? Yeah, that's good. Oh, thanks, man. Good, good thought. You know, I just I just made that one up. Good thought. But you know what? I I think we'll both agree though that they could do a little better job with them. Oh, um, agreed. They, there's no need for some of the cheap cars to look the way they do. I don't think. Yeah, I'm um, with I'm I'm with you and Greg. Spruce on this it up one. just a little bit. Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, we've got those other we've got those earlier episodes. Uh, how the Tata Nano works, mm -hmm. which is the epitome of a of a inexpensive well. Yeah. It, the cheapest car on earth, right? The world's cheapest car. Yeah, now. and then we define luxury car, I think, in another podcast, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I think that was that was some awesome listener mail, but uh, all right, let's say somebody is cruising around HowStuffWorks.com, they're looking at a couple of articles, they've got some thoughts brewing, uh, and they want to hear some information straight straight from the source on all things automotive. What, what, what do they do? Well, they can contact us at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com, and we'll, we try to answer all of our email. Um, you know, it's not always possible to get to everyone, but we, we make a pretty good attempt at it, I think, don't you? I think we do a pretty pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, you do a great job. Oh, thank you. Likewise. Ah, uh, uh, you're too kind. I know. For our listeners out there, thanks for tuning in, and please catch us next time. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander, or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So, Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. If you're committed to living a healthier life, you might want to look into working herbs into your wellness routine. 
There's a reason people have trusted them for thousands of years. Nature's Way understands that nature is the ultimate problem solver, and they're constantly inspired by the power of nature. For example, their ginger root and slippery elm bark have been traditionally used for digestive support. And St. John's wort, holy basil, and ashwagandha can provide mood and stress support. And because Nature's Way sources from around the world and does a ton of comprehensive potency and quality testing in their state-of-the-art lab, you can be sure you're getting top-quality herbs. To learn more, visit naturesway.com.